Uh, I'll be reading the ESV. We encourage you to look that up. Um, but uh, this is uh, the end of a, uh, a kind of sermon mini-series that we've been doing as we've been working through um, Luke chapter uh, 24, and specifically uh, the story of the two disciples walking to uh, Emmaus and Jesus coming alongside them. And so let's read this together, Luke 24, verses 28 through 35. May the Lord bless the reading of God's word for us today. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going further, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke broke it, and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Did not not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed. The Lord has risen, indeed, and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Christ is risen. He is risen, indeed. Amen. Um, Like I said, this is the last in our series where we're talking about practicing presence, how we can encounter God in our everyday lives, how we can be more open uh, to the reality of God's presence. And today's message is about fellowship. And so uh, maybe fellowship is something that you're missing right now. Um, It's something that I think goes hand in hand with church. Um, and something that we don't get to do, at least not in the way that we used to. Uh, we used to have fellowship, at least in one form, uh, before service at 1030, where we would have donuts and coffee or many of the uh, different wonderful snacks that people in our LGM community would so generously prepare for us. And um, uh, it was awesome. It was such a good time. Uh, but we don't have that right now. Um, I-, I wanted to ask the question, though. Um, is fellowship really about donuts and coffee? Or maybe the small talk that you make, you know, just asking people, you know, how your week has been. Uh, it can be, but I think uh, oftentimes it is a word that we use uh, so often in church that kind of loses its meaning a little bit. So uh, what we're going to see is that in this passage, uh, fellowship is so important. Fellowship is the the the... Nexus point. <laughs> it is the catalyst by which the disciples are able to recognize the face of Jesus. So think about that for a moment. That's how powerful fellowship is. In the fellowship, in the breaking of the bread, the disciples are able to recognize the presence of Christ in their midst. And so Obviously, there's something really powerful about fellowship that goes beyond coffee and donuts. Don't get me wrong. Coffee and donuts is awesome. Uh, for a while, for like a, about a month at, uh, when the, the quarantine started, I, I was still buying donuts every week. And then my wife was like, 
you, you got to cut that out. You got to stop buying so many donuts. I don't know. Some of you guys maybe are getting some Corona pounds. Uh, you know, it's not just about the food, but the food uh, is symbolic of something. There's something greater going on. And I want to take a look at this passage. Uh, we we want to go in depth here to see uh, what are some lessons that we can learn about fellowship and how powerful it is and how we can see the face of Christ in it. So, uh, let's go through the passage here. Uh, they drew near to the village to which they were going. Uh, these are the disciples. And remember that they had been walking along the road. Jesus came alongside them. They couldn't recognize him. Uh, but Jesus was explaining the scripture to them and even correcting uh, some of the wrong ways that they had perhaps uh, read that scripture before and their limited view of who Jesus could have been, who the Messiah could have been. And Jesus started talking to them about the reality of the resurrection. And then he acted as if he were going farther, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So, Something to keep in mind is that Jesus is still a stranger to them. Sure, they've been walking for a little bit, but they don't really know who Jesus is at this point. But what they do is they strongly urge uh, Jesus. They're like, hey, don't go, right? Like, like, stay with us. They invite Jesus into their homes. And that, that's a pretty extraordinary thing. Uh, I, I was reading a book, uh, Life Together in Christ by Haley Barton, where she walks through the same passage. And one of the points that she makes is just how extraordinary um, this part is, especially to our modern way of doing community, where a lot of us, we prefer going out. It's easier to go out somewhere else, to a restaurant or to a coffee shop or even to church, than to invite someone into your home. Because if you invite someone into your home, they get to see all of your messiness, right? They get to see uh, the, the dirty dishes that have been piling up in your sink. They get to see uh, the, the, the clothes that have piled up, the laundry that hasn't been folded, right? They get to see all the pictures and all the knickknacks that you've been collecting and all of these things that maybe some of them are innocent uh, and and whatever, but they tell the story of who you are. And some of those things, maybe we don't want people to see. Maybe we want to clean those things up. Have you ever had someone who is going to drop by your house, you know, just unexpectedly, and then in a last-minute panic, like a Tasmanian devil, you go around your house trying to clean everything up or cover everything up or throw everything under the bed or throw everything in a closet, right? Or maybe, you know, somebody was going to come over and you're like, no, 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 don't, don't come right now. My house is a mess. You don't want to see that. Or you just make excuses because it, it is somewhat intrusive, right? To let someone in to your home, to set, let someone into these private places. Um, but this is what uh, the disciples do. And, um, you know, th- this is the question that, that I have for you. Would you do this? Would you invite the stranger in? Uh, the disciples, uh, you know, they're not just thinking about themselves and how this might make them look, or even the threat, right? I mean, they started to get a sense maybe of who this stranger could be, you know, his his character, but you don't really know from one conversation, right, who a person really is. What if he's an axe murderer, you know? Uh, and, and there's a little bit of risk, right, when you let someone into your home and, you know, presumably, well, when they said, hey, stay with us, they mean spend the night. Right? 
you know, what is that person going to do? Uh, I remember the, the book in the movie uh, Les Miserables, where John Valjean comes into the priest's home, and then he steals all the silverware, right? Like, like you don't know what that person's going to do. Um, but their concern is not just for themselves, uh, but in this moment, their concern is for the stranger, right? Because as you see in this passage, it's getting late. And so they're like, don't go, stay with us the night because it's getting dark, because it's not going to be safe for you to go on, right? You must be hungry. Um, you're probably tired, right? So their concern is for the other. So um, it's in this that Jesus is finally recognized. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. So after this, they look back retroactively uh, and they see the presence of Christ, right? They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? So they look back at those moments and they're like, our hearts were burning when, when, when he was talking about scripture, right? Like, 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 like y- you could feel it was a little bit different when, when, when this, this guy was walking alongside us. You know, we, we couldn't quite put our finger on it. You know, and, and, uh, we went into detail about, uh, the fact that we, we can't always see God. Um, and we went into detail about how Jesus opened the scripture, even though he was correcting their worldview about that. And those things are good. And definitely, these are ways that you can encounter the presence of Christ. But I want to point out, this is not where they see Christ. They don't see Christ, at least not his face when they are uh, listening to the explanation about Scripture, right? When they're just walking along the road and talking about their days, right? All that is fine and good, but they actually see Jesus when they eat some bread together with him, right? When they fellowship. And so again, this is the moment. It is the moment of fellowship, What's so special about this moment? Do you see the face of Christ? Do you sense the presence of Christ when you gather with people and you're eating coffee and donuts? Or maybe when you're in small group? You know, uh, part of the, the, the challenge of this time is we feel like we are not able to fellowship, right? And maybe for some people, we're like, yeah, I don't really like Zoom. You know, it's kind of weird. It's kind of awkward. You know, like everyone mutes their mics and then you don't really get any verbal affirmation when you say something. You know, I guess you can do those like clapping emojis and stuff, you know, but you don't get that immediate feedback, you know. Um, sometimes maybe we even like, you know, make the screen go blank so you can play solitaire at the same time or something or eat your food without people looking at you funny. Um, it, it's sometimes kind of awkward, uh, in these moments to figure out how do we do fellowship? And maybe some of us, we avoid it because we're like, we just don't like it. And so the question is, what is at the heart of fellowship? When you strip it all away, and by the way, it's getting stripped away, whether we like it or not. You know, the, the, the physical presence that we used to enjoy, 
that's being taken away from us. Being able to go to a cool place, maybe a trendy cafe or a nice restaurant with some gourmet food, that's being taken away from us, at least in a fellowship context. Um, I mean, you can find creative ways around this. You can each get your own takeout and you could, you know, uh, eat that way. But uh, these are challenging times for fellowship. And so I want to take a look and um, look at a couple other scriptures that talk about fellowship so we can see what it truly is at its heart, what makes it so powerful for us to recognize the presence of Christ. And so these are two famous passages when we talk about fellowship. The first is Matthew 18, 20, and it says, For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. It's a great passage because one of the things that it, it, it points to is you don't need a hundred people uh, to have the presence of Christ with you. It says you just need two or three, right? What does that mean? It means you only need one other person. That's it, right? If you have one other person, then you can have fellowship, right? If you have three, then added bonus. And by the way, do you know why it says two or three? The reason why it says two or three is because in the context of this passage, they're actually talking about um, uh, reconciling with one another. And they talk about confronting someone when you feel like someone has wronged you. And so the reason why it says two or three is because it begins with two people. It says, go to that person one-on-one. And then if it doesn't go well, then bring in a third person. That's why it says two or three. right? It's not an arbitrary number. But it's pointing to something else that we saw earlier in the passage, right? And so, yes, Christ is with us when two or three are gathered, but not just whenever two or three gathered. When two or three are gathered in my name, in my name, right? What does that mean? When you are a representative Christ, uh, of Christ, that's what it means uh, to Come in the name of Jesus, right? So let me ask you, if somebody comes in the name of a king, of a president, or, you know, some, I don't know, powerful person, if someone comes in your name, what does that mean? It means they are representing you, right? And they are going to act on your behalf. They're going to do what you want them to, right? You know, imagine like an administrative assistant, you know, this is Angelina Jung's office. How can I help you? Right. You're speaking for Angelina. So if Angelina is a kind and generous person, which she is, I can't be like, hey, where's my money? Right. I can't do that if, if Angelina wouldn't do that. Right. I, I can't be rude to people and be like, I don't like your face. If Angelina wouldn't do that. I can't do that in her name. When we are representative of Christ, we are representing his kingdom, his purposes, right? Who he is, his very will, right? And so if we come in the name of Jesus and we degrade one another and we curse one another and we are selfish with with one another, guess what? You are not doing it in Jesus' name, at least not properly. You can't say you're doing it in Jesus' name if you're not representing his purposes, his will, his very character, his very life, right? And so going back to that passage and what it's about, right, it's actually talking about reconciling, forgiving, bringing people into right relationship with one another. Does that sound familiar? Is that something that Jesus would do? 
Absolutely. That's what Jesus did on the cross, didn't he? He came to reconcile with us, to forgive our sins, to help us to come into right relationship with him, right? And so fellowship, if it is in Christ, it must be done in his name for his purposes. To reinforce that, let's look at Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. It says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. This is a very uh, popular passage to use when you're talking about fellowship because it talks about how we shouldn't neglect meeting together. You know, and it even draws in, as is the habit of some. I guess this isn't unique to uh, the, the cultural moment we're in, where sometimes we're like, you know what, just too busy. I don't have time to meet up with people. You know, yeah, we'll, we'll meet next week. We'll, we'll meet next month, you know. Did you ever do that thing where, where you try to make a meeting with someone? You're like, oh, yeah, yeah, let's catch up. And you never do, right? Both people, you, you, you kind of know that. Like in the back of your mind, you're like, yeah, yeah, let's catch up. But both of you know that the other person doesn't really mean it. And you know you don't really mean it. It's just something you say. Or maybe just in a vague way, you hope that just by a lightning strike chance that somehow you get together and you're able to share. And it would be good. It would be good for you to fellowship, to have a meal together. But we just never get around to do it. And that that is a fantastic sermon, right? That's a fantastic message to say, don't neglect meeting together right? That nothing would have happened in this passage if the disciples didn't say, stay with us, Jesus, right? Stay with us, stranger. Passage would be over. They wouldn't have known it was Jesus, right? And so we have to be willing to meet. But again, I want to point out, it's not just meeting, right? That's not the end of the story to say, all you got to do is meet together, two or three. You got to meet in the purposes of Christ, So in the context of Hebrews 10, uh, it talks about stirring up one another to love and good works. It talks about encouraging one another, right? These are the purposes of Christ, to be a blessing, to bless one another, right? When you come to do that, when you come to bless someone else, to love them, to reconcile, to do all of these things, then you are doing it in the purposes of Christ. And then it is fellowship. So let's go back to the passage that we just saw. And I want to point out some things again. So again, remember, them saying, stay with us, for it is toward evening, the day is now far spent. Here we see the disciples' concern for the stranger. Right? They're not thinking about themselves. They're not thinking about just their own well-being. They are thinking about the well-being of someone else above their own. And then here we see them sharing bread, right? We don't know whose bread this is. It's probably the disciples, which is kind of cool, right? They are able to give bread to Jesus. They are able to share with Jesus. Maybe sometimes our faith is so much about, God, what are you going to do for me? God, come bless me, right? We like the blessing part. We're like, yeah, yeah, it's about blessing. Bless me, you know? And and I think sometimes our contemporary Christianity, if I can just, you know, just speak a little into the moment that we're in, we get so focused. We love the parts that are about our blessing. This is very American, right? We want more, more, more blessing. And we're told that that's not 
an unspiritual thing to ask for. And I'm not going to disagree with that. But also, in the idea of blessing, is that you are blessed so you can bless. It is a stream. It is a continuity. It is not just a one-way street, but it is a circle. As God gives, you give to other people, and they give to God, and God gives again, right? And that circle continues. It is a circle of blessing. It is a continuity of blessing that must happen. And here we also see, as Jesus is receiving the bread, he took the bread and blessed, it says, and broke it. And what is implied in verse 30 is that he blessed it. That's usually the way we read it. But in the Greek, there's no it. What did he bless? Did he bless the bread? Or did he bless the disciples? I don't know. If he blessed the bread, I think it was so it could bless the disciples. So it's all the same. It doesn't really matter. But here's Jesus also not just blessing the bread, but he breaks it. Where did we see that before? In the Last Supper, right? Symbolizing what Jesus did for all of us. Thank you, (laughs) friends, maybe Jesus would say, for inviting me in as a stranger. When was I a stranger and and you welcomed me? When, When was I hungry and you gave me something to eat? Right here. That's exactly what the disciples do. So they bless Jesus, and then Jesus blesses them back. Well, I mean, he had already blessed them. Even if they didn't do this, he had blessed them in the breaking of his body, in all that he had done for them. Brothers and sisters, it is in this atmosphere of serving one another, of concern for one another, where we see true fellowship. So the problem with our attempts at fellowship, and perhaps why we do not experience the presence of God in them, is because when we meet with people, often we are not coming for the purposes of Christ. We come not to bless but for what we will get out of uh, the bargain, right? Maybe for church, we come because we want to have a good time. We want to be inspired. We want to be entertained. We want to network. We even want to learn. I mean, are we truly coming for the purpose of blessing one another? Search your own heart. You know, when I talked about... um, Maybe in this day and age that we have, maybe the fellowship isn't as satisfying for you, right? I just don't like it. What do you mean by that? What you mean, I think, what I mean by that is I'm not getting as much out of this. But brothers and sisters, that is not the spirit of true fellowship. It is not about what you get out of it. It is about aligning yourself to the purposes of Christ, right? And so when we do that, it is, uh, as it says, it is better to give than to receive, right? But brothers and sisters, I want to go a little bit deeper than that because I think you know that. And on a very, um, on a very basic level, you're like, yeah, Pastor Steve, we know, right? You're supposed to give, but I don't really feel like it. 
Brothers and sisters, I got to tell you, when we align ourselves with the purposes of Christ, we experience the presence of God. That's what this whole passage is about, right? It is about the presence of Christ who is walking with us, and yet we cannot see. And so we feel so alone, right? And and what we are doing, I think, is we are uh, trying so much to get our nourishment from the fellowship that we have with other people. What can I get out of this? What can you do for me? And when it doesn't give us what we want, we bail, or we avoid it, or we give up, right? How many times have you ever um, maybe hung out with some people at church? Or maybe you went to a small group, or went to a Bible study, and, and after one time or two times, you're like, yeah, I don't like this. It's not doing it for me. What would happen if our understanding of that fellowship changed? And if we kept going because we knew that by going, we would have an opportunity to align ourselves with the purposes of Christ. If nothing else, just to be a blessing to someone else. This is the problem, is that for many of us, we don't trust that we are going to receive in return. That, that's our whole focus, and that's the problem. And so we bail when we don't get that quickly enough. But I, I want to encourage us, brothers and sisters, to trust in what fellowship truly is. Fellowship is a place of great blessing. But if all of us go only to be blessed, no one will be blessed. <laughs> Right? We must go with the expectation that, that the only reason we're going is to be united with Christ, to be united with one another. That's what it means at the end of the day, right? So, um, at the same time, uh, when we seek this fellowship, And when we are able to share it together, we are able then to testify to the risen Lord. And so I just want to point out the end of this passage here. It says, they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, the Lord has risen indeed. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. I hope you guys were all doing fist pumps at home. (laughs) He is risen. Indeed, it actually happened. He's really with us. You know how we know that? Because when we were breaking bread, we saw him. It's it's not a metaphor, friends. it's, It's not just a symbol. It is a symbol. But it's a symbol for something that actually happened. The presence of Christ is here. I mean, can you imagine that reality? Can you imagine what it was like for the disciples after this? Do you think they were just like, huh, that's some good bread. Hey, man, DJs make some good donuts. Some good coffee we had. That's some good wine. I had a good time. All right, good night. Dude, dude, it changed their lives. It changed human history. This one moment when their eyes were open to the reality of Christ. 
So don't take it lightly when I say go to bless other people. Like, yeah, yeah, Pastor Steve, I know we're supposed to bless other people. We're not supposed to be so selfish. Man, so much more is at stake, right? It's actually being able to recognize Christ in our midst. It's the best. I can't offer you anything better, right? And so I would be dishonest. I would be cheating you if I said, come to church and just get yours, right? Just come and get what you want out of church. Mm, No. Because then it is not about encountering a risen God, a God of miracles, a God of resurrection, right? It is in seeing the face of God in those moments, brothers and sisters, probably for a lot of us, you have had moments where you just knew that Christ was with you. Maybe there's been moments where You're praying with other people. Maybe it was the senior banquet last night. It was for me, for those of us who are in in that, the college and post-grad group. There's this moment where I just saw like all these faces on the screen. And um, we were just blessing one another. And and just, you know, um, saying uh, words of blessing and encouragement to the seniors. And the seniors were saying thank you. And there's this video, um, the seniors recorded a video to bless and honor and thank all the people in LGM. And the rest of the folks, the rest of the undergrads made a video for the seniors, thanking them and blessing them and honoring them. And then you would see in the live chat, like in the video, just like a comment would pop up like, boop, you know, I love you, Adi. (laughs) Thank you so much, Gina. You know, I, I love you so much. And, and it was just in this spirit of mutual blessing. I was just like, man, this is so good. This is heaven. This is the kingdom of God. You know, it, it's not just a metaphor for being nice to each other. When we experience the presence of Christ, it transcends everything. Right? Have you ever wondered Why? People so often experience the presence of God when they're on missions. I mean, think about what missions is supposed to be. You know, you're not just going for yourself. You're not just going to receive. You're going to serve. And when people go to serve, there's something just completely transcendent and miraculous that happens to your experience. I mean, I don't know a person who hasn't gone on missions with that mindset and didn't come back with more, right? And you're almost like embarrassed. You're like, man, I got so much more blessed than I was able to bless. And just think about, you know, all the times where Jesus is blessing people by breaking bread and he's giving it out. Think about the the miracle of the multiplication of the fish. And, 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 and the bread, right? Jesus is giving it. And as he's giving it, there is so much more than what they began with. Isn't that the spirit of fellowship? Isn't that true fellowship in Christ? You go to bless, and it's not just reciprocal. Oh, well, you said something nice to me. Now I say something nice to you. Something so much greater happens. We are all elevated. We are all brought to a spiritual place with Christ. It can change people's lives. When you get a taste of that, 
just living for yourself, it ain't going to do it. Is that this is what happens with what we do. When we eat something, when we consume something, when we uh, consume any kind of experience that we want just for ourselves, it becomes less. Have you noticed that? Right? You eat food, and then it becomes less. Right? I don't want to be too crude, but you all know, right? It becomes poop. Right? It's less. Right? It doesn't become more. Right? Any experience you have, you go and you have fun. You go and you watch Netflix, and afterwards you're like, yeah, that was fun. And then every moment after that, it becomes less. But not the fellowship of Christ. It becomes more. It gets multiplied. It grows, right? And so the world can't understand this because the world is like, hey, we live in a world of scarcity because if there is no God, then just everything in this world, this is all you get. So you better get yours. Go and and fight and claw and grab it off the shelf. Get that last roll of toilet paper because there's not going to be any more. You just get it for yourself. And we do that and we hoard and we keep and that's all you get. All you get is what you got. But we, when we live in the way of Christ, and, and, and the world looks at Christians and we look crazy, because you see people who pour out their life, they sacrifice, right? I mean, you see missionaries who go in the mission field and they die there for people they didn't even know, at least not before. I'm sure they loved them while they were there, but before, when they decided to go, they, they didn't know these people, they were strangers, they gave up everything. There's so many people who give so much and so generously, who, who give so much even when it, it's in the cause of, of fighting injustice. Maybe there's great sacrifices that are made there. And, and, and our hearts burn with passion when we do it. The world can't understand why. Why would you do that? Is this about you? Is this about a feeling you're getting? It's so much more than that. Because in those moments, we see the face of Jesus Christ. We experience the presence of Christ. And there ain't nothing better than that. It changes everything. I want to just take that word, communion, and I want to take it apart. So you take that calm part, Right? So the com, it, it just means with. That, that's what that prefix means, right? Because, because basically, you know, think about like communication, right? You can't communicate just with yourself. It's not communication anymore. It's a monologue, right? Communication takes at least two people because it's two people doing something together, right? So we take that word together, right? Com, together. And then union. What is a union, right? Union, it's not just oneness, it is becoming one, right? And so uh, the word communion means um, together becoming one. We're going to go into our time of communion, uh, but communion is a word that is a synonym for fellowship. Uh, I think it's one of the, the, the sort of um, poverties of uh, the way that we have practiced faith, where we have so ritualized something like communion, where I think it loses its meaning a little bit. But what Jesus is doing by breaking the bread and sharing it with his disciples is he is trying 
to help them to become one with him together, right? I mean, just think about uh, uh, how beautiful the scene is. So these two disciples, it's Cleopas and uh, maybe Cleopas's wife or his friends, um, and they were not amongst the original 12, right? They didn't get to be a part of that intimate scene in the Last Supper. But Jesus is sharing and extending the borders of the Last Supper, of this intimate act, and then he's sharing it with ordinary disciples, just like you and me. Jesus, he shared one final meal, right? And it was symbolizing all that he was doing for them, blessing them, sharing his life for them, forgiving them, giving them new life, even though most of the people in that room were going to betray him or fall short. It's so beautiful, right? It doesn't get more beautiful than that. A picture of what fellowship can be, of the way it was for Jesus. As imperfect as the disciples were, Jesus just gave. He broke himself. He blessed them. He didn't say, shape up, and then you can come to this table. He didn't say, ask for forgiveness for the sin that you haven't committed yet, and then you can come to this table. He just completely, selflessly, graciously gave of himself for us. All of us, brothers and sisters, are invited into that kind of life. Would you come to the table? Would you come and share and receive? There's some times where we do receive. And it's a blessing to let other people be a blessing to us. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying just give, 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 right? Because remember, those blessings will be multiplied. It will come back to you. But don't come with that expectation. Don't come with that as your focus of what you're going to get, right? But there may be times in this whole fellowship where we need to receive more than we can give. And that's okay. It's not always going to be that. And one easy way to check your heart in this is if you're only coming to small group, if you're only coming to church, if you're only coming to God when you need something. Is that, that, that a little too honest? I, 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 that's me so many times. But I think that's a way you can check your heart, right? If you're only coming for those moments, then I think we have this kind of one-sided way of looking at blessing and looking at fellowship. Right? But there are going to be days you're, you're doing worse and, and you really need some blessing. And to let someone else bless you, I mean, there's no better blessing that you can give to them. Seriously. Um, I say this sometimes to our leaders uh, when you know the ministry wants to give them something. They're like, no, 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 no. Pastor Steve, you don't have to do that. No, stop. No, no. And I'm like, hey, stop being so selfish. This isn't about you. Let us give you this. <laughs> and it, 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 I'm being, you know, of course, I, I do that somewhat jokingly. But at the same time, it is a blessing to let us bless you. Right? So come and receive because Jesus wants to bless you. And come and know that this is a, a table that we can share in together. So this is the time where uh, if you want to go get your bread, if you want to go get your juice, uh, we'll give you a second to do that. 
and uh, we, we, uh, Aaron prepared little individual baggies of uh, Hawaiian bread for the folks that are here, and they're going to go and grab that right now. Um, and so just a, re- rem- uh, just a refresher, rem- 